once was If you could go with me Back to where I started from Yeah, you can come on. Acts chapter 16, verse 10. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Now you say, where in the world are you going to talk to us? Well, how are we going to get anything out of this? Well, you will. The title of the message is, We Endeavored. We Endeavored. Paul talking there, Paul and Silas, uh, <clears throat> on their second missionary journey. And God came to Paul in a vision and asked him to come into Macedonia. There were a lot of other places had need. Let me tell you this straight up and down. A need does not constitute a call. Do not believe for the first second that a need constitutes a call. There's more need than you got life. There's more need than you got lifetimes to give. You have to go where God wants you to go to fulfill whatever need he wants you to fill. He's the great planner. And so I'm here in South Florida because God said to come here. Not because I wanted to come and get out of the winter as you suspicion. If I was in Hawaii, you may want to believe that. But uh, I am here because God wants me here. I, this is exactly where God wants me to be. And I want to be where he wants me to be, as our brother Munch mentioned this morning. So apropos, be where God wants you to be. And don't, and don't wait. Man, if God says to go, if God says to be a bus captain, be a bus captain. There's no better place to be than in the center of the will of God. I thank God I do not have to go through this life alone. And you say, well, preacher, I am alone. No, you're not. If you're born again Christian, you're never going to be alone. From that moment you trusted Christ, you're never going to be alone for all eternity. I mean, you're never, ever going to be alone. You say, I want to be alone. No, not to but you're not going to be alone. The Holy Spirit, according to John chapter 14, Jesus' words will never leave us. He's going to be there with us. He's going to be there through thick and thin, through whatever comes along. God's going to be with us. It's a beautiful thing. No one knows the power. I don't think anybody understands the power of a word fitly spoken, of a word spoken at the right time, a word of encouragement, of a word spoken by another that is going on the same path you're on to encourage you. Of a word given from a comrade on the same mission in life, uh, Jesus sent out his disciples two by two. That was not a coincidence. That was an example. He did not send them out alone. He said, I want you to go two by two. By the way, here at the gospel, we try to practice that. When we go door to door, we go two by two. Rarely, and I have done it, going by myself. And a few people here have gone by themselves, but it's not God's way. It's not the best way. There's a I think there's deep wisdom in Jesus' example of sending his people, his disciples, out two by two. Uh, he used this example uh, when he was challenged on marriage and, and, and divorce and remarriage. He was challenged, and what did he do? He went back to the example of Adam and Eve. He said, God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. And Adam didn't turn into Eve, and Eve didn't turn into Adam. 
But he used that example. He was trying to explain to the Pharisees how that marriage between a man and a woman, uh, the way you figured that out, you went to the first example of it with Adam and Eve. And that, by the way, to Jesus, that was enough argument. That was enough. He didn't go any further. He said, well, God has joined together. No man put us under. He said, that's the way it is. Do it. Do what I, I showed you. Do it. That was enough. Fellowship and serving Christ, I can't overemphasize this morning how important it is. Fellowship and serving Christ. We need each other. Man, the, no man is an island. <laughs> you need fellowship. We need each other. I thank God that years ago I met this black-haired beauty at 16 years old, and we got to know each other. 18 got married, and I'm glad I haven't had to walk this world alone without her, that is, uh, during this time. Sometimes I didn't want to walk with her, but hey, I won't mention that. Well, the devil, if you don't want fellowship and if you don't understand the importance of fellowship, because Paul said there, we endeavored. He didn't say I endeavored. He said we endeavored. Jesus sent seven out two, but two, this little review for you. The devil will seek to isolate you as a, as a soldier of Jesus Christ. I hope you understand his methods. He will seek to isolate you. He will seek to make you sour on the local church. This is a local church. This is just an example of a local church. Now, you don't have to be here long to understand we're not perfect. It, don't, it doesn't take long. Just come to breakfast. You'll hear him complain. But I mean, uh, he, he, the devil himself will try to offend you away from this thing called the local church. Why? Well, he's going to try to weaken and eventually kill you as an effective tool for the Lord Jesus Christ to get the gospel out. That's his ultimate goal, to try to neutralize you as a tool. Maybe he won't, he's not given permission to kill you physically, but he can kill your ability to make a difference. He can kill you and try to isolate your desire to spread the gospel to every creature, which is our prime directive. Uh, it is not by the witness of one, but by the witness, the Bible says, of two or three that a matter is confirmed. And so when we give the gospel, it's a beautiful thing when two of you are there to be able to go off of each other. I'll never forget taking uh, uh, Bill um, Langford, Bill Langford. And Bill Langford was a shy Canadian. Sometimes Canadians are soft-spoken, not all of them. But sometimes they're soft-spoken, kind of quiet people. And that's not bad. That's just who they are. And they just, Bill's that way. He fit the he, stereotype of a Canadian. And uh, Bill said to me one day, got under conviction, he says, I want to go door to door. And he says, but I'm scared to death. Preacher, I just don't like to confront people. Well, how many in this room enjoy confronting people? There's got to be more than that. Some of you just like to fight. But anyway, um, most people, as by the no hands, do not really enjoy confrontation. We, we really would rather not be in a big row, you know. 
And Bill was that way, man. He just said, preacher, I don't witness because I just don't want to get in some sort of conflict with somebody. It bothers me. It makes me sick to my stomach almost. And I said, well, if you'll just go, God will do the rest. Well, he said, can I go with you? I said, sure, you come with me. In fact, I have a rule that I'll usually take somebody like that for about three months, a door to door, and we'll go together. So Bill and I started going together, and he told me, man, he, he just gave me, I've said this before, he said, I don't want to say anything, you say everything. I said, I'll take care of everything. We stopped at the door. I remember it was like, wasn't the first, second door uh, in our process of going door to door. And I remember a guy came there forward and started, and, and I started giving him my testimony, how I got saved. And pretty soon, Bill, like, just comes right, overrides me and just tells this guy how he got saved and how the Lord worked in his life. And it was a great when we got done and walked away from the house, I said, wow, that didn't take long. He said, I don't know what came over me. He said, I just was willing to. And I said, man, that was the best. What you told that guy was the best he ever going to hear. He came close to trusting Christ as his Savior that morning. And I said, Bill, that's all you got to do. But now Bill by himself wouldn't do that. All those years, Bill was, Bill was in his 50s. He never did that. And here's in his 50s. It took a partner, somebody else with him. Two, the power of fellowship. One of the major functions of a local church is fellowship. We endeavored. Let me just say this, and, and I hope you get it. One voice is less than half of two. One voice is less than half of two. It is, it is so vital that we stay focused on our need to be together and to work together. And, and you say, Brother Bell, I'm not used to the word fellowship. It means two fellows in a ship. It means to work together. We're in this thing together. We here at Gospel Baptist have joined our hands together and said, we're going to do this. We're going we're to fulfill the prime directive of going to the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We're going to teach people the word of God and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to deserve whatsoever uh, the Lord Jesus has commanded us. And that is pretty straightforward. That's what we do. We're, you say, well, I, you guys go out to eat together. You guys do stuff. Yeah, that, that may be all true. But our prime directive is we have joined together as an army of believers to accomplish the will of God to reach the world before it's too late. But you can't do it alone. The, Lord, the local church has been and is the sole tool for inflicting damage into the kingdom of darkness. Oh, I've heard, how many times have I met people out there door to door, out, out in this life, who have been alienated away from the local church because a deacon they knew went bad, or a pastor they knew went bad, or a secretary went bad, or one of the church members soured them, and they allowed themselves to get bitter, they allowed themselves to get sour. I don't go to church anymore. I, here's what I hear oftentimes, you may hear, I don't believe in the church. What do you mean you don't believe in the church? Jesus said, I will build my church. The church means an assembly of people. I will build my church in the gates of hell. Shall not pray. You can't try to ignore one of the primary things that Jesus said. That's what his goal was, was to build the local church. People that are born again, out of the world, getting together. 
uh, ordaining of God called men as pastors and, and, or, and ordaining and calling deacons in and, and doing it God's way, the Bible way. It's the greatest thing to be a part of. Don't you let the world try to alienate you away in any way, shape, or form. I just tell the devil straight up and down, you do whatever you want to me, but I'm sticking with a local church, imperfect as it is. If it was perfect and you walked in, you'd ruin it. You know there's no perfect marriage. Everybody said. Uh, the newlyweds, I didn't expect them to say that. And I also didn't expect the, one, the ones getting ready to get married necessarily to say that. But I can tell you when two imperfect people marry and get real close, ooh, mama. What a wild ride. That's why I confess every so often I still get in a row with my wife. Can you believe that? You think I'd have figured it out by now. But God, through the local body of believers, comes. Uh, he, he comes through missions, endeavors, some hundred missionaries. We got 106 missionaries all over the world uh, collecting something like $300,000 a year uh, to try to get the word of God out in every way we can. We have our local endeavor to reach the lost through the 20-some different ministries here at Gospel. We organize, we're empowered in our printing ministry, uh, some Almost 3 million gospel tracts since 2000 have been passed out in, in every kind of conceivable manner you can think of. I mean, they've been found in Budweiser's. They've been found in dishwashers. They've been found in washers and dryers. They've been found in clothes. They've been found all over the place. While you folks have spread those gospel tracts everywhere, which has enough, one of those gospel tracts has enough gospel to save the world. We've unified together for education, edification. Our school, over 100 kids this year. We, we figured out we have over 31 graduates that have gone to college. Ten of them have finished. We're hopeful for the other 20. How many kids have gone through Gospel Baptist? We endeavor through all of that. None of what I mentioned would exist without the countless local churches putting their hands together and saying, we're going to be part of this thing. How much stronger would the local church be in the United States if the people who had dropped out would just come back home? Glory to God, brother. Woo! What could we do so what's the purpose of it? The local church provides a platform of weekly preaching. You say, well, that don't seem too impressive to me. You ought to be impressed. Because God said it's by the foolishness of preaching he chose to save them that believe. That's what the Bible says. As, as imperfect as I am, I may stutter, I may stammer, I may have memory lapses, but by the grace of God, for whatever reason, he's chosen me to do this, and I just get up and do the best that he'll let me do. But I know one thing, behind me is the Holy Spirit and the very power of the kingdom of heaven. People get convicted. They'll come up to me and say, how did you know what I did last week? I said, I don't know what you did. Don't want to know. How many times people think I've, I've had a spy in their house? That's the Holy Spirit. 
Man, that sermon today was just exactly where I've been thinking. Holy Spirit. Well, brother, it looked to me like uh, uh, Pastor Crabb and you got together on what to preach today. The Holy Spirit. Through providing a weekly platform of the preaching of the Word of God and all that God will do through it and providing a place where we can collect, collectively put our resources, the local church goes out and becomes a power in the world. I mean in the world. I've met too many wandering sheep out there that bail out on God's system of fellowship. They're alone. They're tired. They're weary. They're emaciated. They're sickly. They're weak. They're scrawny. And most of all, they're bitter. And at the end of their life, they're going to look back and not having done what God wanted them to do for, for him. And I believe there'll be people in hell that only they could have reached that they'd refuse to do for selfish reasons. But you don't know what they did to me. Well, you don't know what's been done to me either. And you don't want to know. But I'm going to tell you what, no matter what has been done to me, Jesus' blood has washed me and cleansed me from all sin. And with that going for you, you can't hurt me. No, no, no. God has made us to have fellowship. We endeavor. And I've said all that based on one word. Imagine how long this sermon's going to be. <laughs> we endeavored. We, the plural. That's what I've said this whole time. I've, I've spoken 15 minutes on one word, we. Why? Because it's so important. I need you. You need me. We need each other. We're not out here by ourselves, brother. We need to put our hands together, put our finances together, put our time, talent, and treasures together, however far as they'll go, because pretty soon Jesus is going to call you up before him, and you're going to stand before him eyeball to eyeball, and he's going to say, what have you done with what I've given you? And you'll not ignore the local church and make him happy. No, no, you won't. Fellowship. This is point number two now. Be worried. Fellowship presupposes agreement. Fellowship presupposes agreement. The principle uh, is not based on physical agreement or ethical agreement or cultural agreement or background agreement or color agreement. It is based on agreement of ideology. It is based on agreement of theology. You, don't, you can be black, white, red, yellow, pink. You can be any color. It won't make any difference. Uh, but the Bible says, can two walk together? Let's say be agreed. Amos chapter 3, verse 3. We are here today from every kind of background. We're here because we agree theologically. We agree ideologically. We believe the old King James Bible is the very words of God. We look down through that and what puts us together and the glue that keeps you and I together because our diversity wants to push us apart. This man's from Virginia, right? Yeah, well, I'm from Indiana originally. Those two things don't meet. But we meet together over this, don't we? This is the glue. 
the ideology, the theology of the Word of God is what, this brother's from South Carolina. Tom's from Kansas. People from all over the United States, Canada, Indiana, Ohio, Illinois. Some of you are from the promised land. Houston, Dallas, Fort Worth. There's no generational gap between us. You young people, we hold the same things in common if we're in Christ. Vito, he's a young guy. We hold the same unity in common. We don't, we're not, we don't have any generation gap between us. No, no. The only gap there is really is ideology gap. That's where the gap's at. It's in an ideology difference. But if we agree ideologically and theologically together, then we unite in purpose. <clears throat> and brother, the sky's the limit. Luke penned the words of Acts chapter 16, verse 10 this morning. And he, Paul and Silas, second missionary journey, God came to Paul directly and asked him to go to this place called Macedonia. The apostle Paul needed comradeship. He needed fellowship. He needed brothers that would go with him of the same agreement to fulfill his commission that Jesus had given him. And let me say this. If the great apostle Paul, with all the gifts that he had been given by God directly, needed fellowship, camaraderie, how much do we need it? How much more do I need it? If, if, if Paul needed it, I need it. The importance of fellowship in fulfilling our mission here cannot be understated. Together, we can. Together, we can. We can provoke each other unto godly jealousy. That's one of my jobs is to provoke you, and I'm fairly successful. But it's supposed to be provoking you under godly jealousy. I'm supposed to, one of my jobs is to provoke you to, to, to serve God, provoke you to play the piano, provoke you to play the organ, whoever plays it, provoke you to drive a bus, provoke you to lead singing, provoke you to, to teach Sunday school, provoke you to uh, help clean the church, provoke you to fix the plumbing, whatever it takes. One of my jobs is to speak an encouraging word just at the right time. That's your job too, by the way. You're supposed to provoke me to good works. I'm supposed to provoke you to good works. You're supposed to help me with your verbiage. I'm supposed to help you. I look and, and say, you're down a little bit. And I try to uh, slap you on the, on the back and encourage you. It's going to be okay. Uh, give direction. If what's a local church do? It gives direction at the right moment to keep one on the right path. Oh, man. It's to refresh our vision, which, which oftentimes can grow dim. It's to motivate us to action when we become faltering. It is to enlarge our boldness when we sometimes grow timid. Hey, I would lie to you and everybody in this room that has anything to do with the things of God would lie to you if they didn't say once in a while they want to quit. Once in a while you just get down in the dumps. How many here have ever been down in the dumps? I just got the rest of you lying. I mean, we all get down in the dumps. I've heard people tell me, I never get down in the dumps. I won't tell you what I'm thinking when they say that, but 
Man, everybody once in a while looks around and gets down in the dumps, but I'm here for you. You're here for me. We're here for each other. Church, a local church, keeps it up. I, I think of this illustration I read. It says, on the outskirts of a small town in Maryland, lived an aged man. His house was down a long, narrow path to a little small home. The neighbors would often see, as you often have seen, oh, this old man walking to the grocery store and coming back from the grocery store with a few bags of groceries in his hand. One day, a close neighbor hadn't seen the old boy in two or three days. So the husband and the wife got together and says, I haven't seen the old boy in a while. Maybe uh, you and our daughter ought to go, while I go to work tomorrow, you go check on him, see if he's all right. So the wife and the little girl made their way down that path up to his house, knocked on the door, nobody answered. Said the name, Mr. Scott, Mr. Scott, are you there, Mr. Scott? Nobody came to the door. She timidly lifted the latch. It wasn't locked and went into the house, looked over in the living room, and there, Mr. Scott's frame, his body was laying on the sofa. At first, she thought, oh, my, Mr. Scott's died. She went up to Mr. Scott, which was laying there motionless, and said, Mr. Scott, Mr. Scott, Mr. Scott, began to touch him. Saw him open his, his eyes. He opened his eyes and he began to look over and stare at her. She said, Mr. Scott, can I help you? Do you need some water? Do you need anything? Just as she was trying to talk to him, uh, her little girl began to sing over in the other room, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. At that moment when he heard the little girl singing, he kind of revived a little bit and he says, he looked up at her and he says, them the words... Them the words. Mr. Scott didn't need water. He didn't need medicine. When he heard the word of God, he said, that's what I need. Them the words. And brother, when it's all said and done, that's what's going to keep you encouraged is the word of God. Them the words. Them the words. We need each other. We need the word of God. We may never be as successful as we wish we could have been. I don't think anybody has lived up to their expectations. I haven't. I'm not nearly as successful as I wish I could have been. But I can tell you this, by the grace of God, I endeavored. I endeavored. Paul says, we endeavored to go to Macedonia. Maybe Paul didn't get to see all the people he wanted to see or preach in all the places he wanted to preach or, or affect all the folks he wanted to affect over there. But brother, by the grace of God, at the end of the whole thing, he can stand before Jesus and say, we endeavored. I worked with other folks. I didn't, I didn't get bitter. I didn't get pushed away. I didn't allow their humanity and their imperfections to make me quit. Uh, we, we endeavored. Oh, you young people, don't you let anything happen in a local church that makes you where you don't want to be part of the local church. Oh, a local church can blow up, and maybe you have to go to another one, but go to another one of like precious faith. If this one don't work out and, and we go crazy, uh, then go to one that still follows the old King James Bible, and you, keep, you stick with that one. If that one goes crazy, go to another one that follows the old King James Bible, and you stick with that one.
But when you stand that final judgment and answer the efforts that you've done in the kingdom of God, it will prove eternally consoling for you to be able to say, we endeavored. What does that mean? It means we tried. We tried. What did we try to do? We tried to reach the lost before it was too late. We tried to work together in unity to see the lost found. We tried to give up our egos and work as a team to see boys and girls hear the blessed gospel. Oh, we've not always done what we wished we could have or what we even maybe should have, but we endeavored. Have you allowed this morning the the devil to alienate you from God's mission for your life? through the local church? You say, I have. Well, don't. Don't let it go on. It's totally in your court. Yeah, preacher, but you don't know. How about just forgetting the old stories? Forget the stories of betrayal. Forget the stories of disappointment. Forget all that junk that the devil keeps wanting you to remember so hard. Just let all that. I knew a preacher one time, and I don't care who you knew. I tell you one thing, Jesus will never disappoint you. Jesus will never disappoint you. All these years, people have come, people have gone. I've had some of my best friends go awry. But brother, when I'm standing before Jesus Christ, they're not going to be there. They're not going to be there. I am. We endeavored together as the Lord hath called us to preach the gospel unto them. Oh, may we this morning be like the Apostle Paul and Silas, and those who were with him, and say, you know, it's not, been, it's not been a perfect journey, because I haven't been perfect myself, and I'm not with perfect people. Reminded me years ago when I laid floor covering, you once in a while will install floor covering or doing it for people that are what are called, they call them perfectionists. A perfectionist is living in an imperfect world with imperfect material and they are imperfect wanting a perfect job. Now, how do you think that's going to work out? How do you think that's going to work out? Ain't going to work out too good. Imperfect people, imperfect material in an imperfect world wanting a perfect job. There are people out there that somehow feel they're going to make that happen You know what they are? Miserable. They're miserable. I can tell you, I built two homes. I had two homes built. It took all the Christianity I could muster not to kill the builder. Straight up and down. Why? Because I was living in an imperfect world with imperfect materials and an imperfect builder, amen and amen, trying to get a perfect job. And right away I thought, oh, brother, I got to give this up or I'm going to leave this first, this first home building experience hating everybody. My, my wife, I had, to, I had to help her along on this. The cabinets came the wrong color. The roof came the wrong color. Uh, they, they cleared the wrong trees. 
uh, they, they, put, they put the house in the wrong spot. On and on the mistakes went. Anybody build a house in here? But you know what? Six months after I was in there, all that melted away. I didn't even care. You know what? I didn't care what the cabinets looked like. My wife did for 18 years, but she got, it, it was hard test. But folks, that's the way a local church can be. Well, I don't like the color. You know, I had people tell me when we first built this auditorium and the, the deacon's wives picked the color of the chairs, blue. I had people come to me and say, preacher, I don't know if I can come to church with blue. I hate blue. I said, brother, when you go out and look at the sky, tell God that. I hate blue. How can you hate blue with a blue sky every day? And then if we'd have went green, people would come up saying, you know, I like every color, but green, I can't. Look at the trees. Look at the grass. Amen. You know what? I've decided a long time ago, I'm going to try to get along as hard as I, oh, here it is. I'm going to try to get as long as hard as I want to not get along. And by the grace of God, you'll get along. God will give you the mercy and the grace, and you'll look past the flaws, and you'll say the institution of the local church is worth dying for. It's worth giving my life for. Why? Because people are worth dying for, and people are worth giving your life for. How do I know that? Jesus led the way. He died for you according to the scriptures. Christ Jesus thought you're worth dying for. And if he thought you're worth dying for, I think you're worth dying for. Why don't you, why don't you, why don't you be willing to die for one another? Why don't you be willing to give your lives one for another? We give the invitation. Why don't you just say, Brother Bill, I've been on the outside. I'm not going to. And you know, this thing is keeping me off for a hundred different reasons. This thing's kept me away. But I'm, today it's over. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die to that stuff. I'm going to die to the bitterness. I'm going to die to the hate. I'm going to die to the, all that other stuff that's keeping me away from serving in the local church. And I'm going to serve in the local church what God opens up. I'm going to do it. And I'm not going to let anybody get me bitter. And I'm not going to let anybody fend me away from this thing. And I'm not going to get alienated from it. It'll be one of the, literally, it'll be one of the best decisions you ever made for Christ. You come. Father, we just thank you for a few moments together. We thank you. I thank you personally for helping me see this early in my life. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.